guys have left a really generous space here um, between, between us. Um, is there a reason for that, Michael? It's quite minimalist. If you, guys, if you want, we could play um, uh, Sneak Up Granny. <laughs> Uh, I'll do my back and you guys can just shuffle the chairs forward. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ah! 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 Okay, I'll allow it. Hello and welcome to The Nerd Degree. It's me, your host, Brendan Bennett. A few quick notes. Our next live show is on Wednesday, March the 4th. Uh, here at Orange Studios, Christchurch, New Zealand. We've got a special guest host, Ben Allen, who you might have heard on some of the previous shows. I'm going to put up some show links relating to uh, tonight's episode on the Facebook page, so check those out if you want to know more about anything that we talked about. There is a technical hitch during the show, but I thought I would leave it in because it's kind of fitting for a, a show about the conflict between humans and machines. And finally, a big thank you to Matt Powell and Aaron Harrington, who helped uh, to write some of the questions for the show. All right, enjoy! <laughs> Thank you, thank you. All right. Now, here in Christchurch, we are being ravaged by bushfires. There are armed police patrolling our schools. So there's no better time to think about man's inevitable defeat at the hands of machines. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is the theme of tonight's Nerd Degree. We have two teams ready to compete to see who is the wittiest nerd and the nerdiest wit. So let's meet our team starting at this end. Hi, I'm uh, Dan Bain. I'm the... Uh, artistic director of the Courchesters and uh, the host of Dan Bain's Broken Arts Hall, um, the Christchurch Arts Podcast. Uh, <laughs> I also wasn't allowed to watch television as a child, so I'm not entirely sure how useful I'm going to be tonight. Thank you, Dan. My name is Jeff Clark. I am a relentless consumer of pop culture and occasional contributor as an improviser, comedian, writer and things. I'm Centurion Chan. Um, I'm a member of the 501st Legion, the, the Star Wars costuming group, uh, and I am also a, a collector of um, action figures from the 80s. The, the more obscure, the better. Um, yeah. And you guys are playing for a charity tonight. What charity are you playing for? Yes, well, um, our charity goes around and uh, we put stuffed uh, animals inside claw machines. Um, we represent Toys for Bots. Ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause for Toys for Box. And on the other team we have... I'm Karen Healy. I am a science fiction and fantasy author, um, but my sort of chief interaction with technology at the moment is yelling at it and stern staring to make things work on time. Uh, I'm Ben Allen, and I review video games for Game Planet New Zealand. And I'm really realising now that I had no second sentence prepared for this introduction. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. And I'm Scott Curry. Um, I'm a, a, a writer, composer and co-artistic director of my two children. <laughs> and what charity are you guys playing for tonight? Well, Brendan, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's good that we can all, um, here in this room, probably afford uh, to take the red pill or the blue pill... Mm. Uh, and decide if we want to live, continue to live in the matrix under this illusion or get out into the crappy real world. But there's a lot of uh, lower-income people that can't afford those kind of pharmaceuticals. So we and like to supply them with the choice. Yeah, that's right. And that's why tonight we're playing for doctors, 
uh, without borders between realities. Or as the French say, médecins sans final frontier. <laughs> All right. They have a big round of applause for doctors. It's just a coincidence that the title makes us sound smarter. Oh, I'm sure it was a coincidence. (laughs) Now, of course, our theme for tonight is humans versus computers. So I brought along the Nerd Degree Supercomputer, which is our Electronic Retrieval Infotainment Network, or Erin for short. (laughs) Erin, are you there? Hello, Brendan. Shall we play a game? I think we shall. Roll for initiative. (laughs) Twelve. Seventeen. Oh. All right, Toys for Bots starts, and our first round is the In the News round. Mm. This is uh, things that have happened recently. I will describe them. You have to work out what I'm talking about. The new Fantastic Four trailer was released recently, and it looks okay, I guess. <laughs> um, but who has shattered expectations by announcing their involvement in the project? All right. Um... Adam Sandler. <laughs> what role would he be playing exactly? It's, it's called the Fantastic Four now. Yeah. yeah. Not the mediocre four. Yeah, the, yeah, no, no, no. I think it's um I, th- I think it's the uh the, the composer of the music. Yes, can the you shattered, be shattered uh plays into my love of puns and wordplay. I believe Philip Glass is gonna be contributing to the soundtrack of the movie. That's absolutely right, yes. Mm. Uh, Philip Glass, the famous minimalist composer, is going to be providing uh, scoring for the forthcoming Fantastic Four what film. Is, what is a minimalist composer? Is he trying to use as few, like few notes mm. as possible? Or? It's very <laughs> minimalist. I think he's going to be writing the entire score in the, in the, in the time signature of Fantastic Four Four. <laughs> well, he, he, didn't he once write? Uh, he, he once wrote a concerto, which is to be played by a piano being thrown down a mineshaft. Is that... Is that the filter glass I'm thinking of? Uh, Erin, can you Google that, please? I'm sorry, Brendan. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did compose the, the opera Einstein on the Beach. And I was reading about this. It's only called an opera because no one can work out what else to call it. <laughs> mm. This next question is for Doctors Without Frontiers, or whatever you're called. <laughs> what connects Kermit and Mount Doom? Um, well, it's little-known fact, but um, before Andy Serkis was picked to play the role of Gollum, Kermit was actually a front-runner for, for the position. He would have been good. He would have been great. He would have been good. But Miss Piggy was the really precious, The precious, the <laughs> precious. Also, um, uh, when they were developing the uh, special effects for, for Lord of the Rings, um, the, before Jim Henson passed away, he was in, in talks to actually puppet Mount Doom. Mm. And so, yeah, open the crack of the door <laughs> and close it again. For this. Yeah, so he was kind of... Puppet both. We're struggling, Brendan. So it sounds like you don't know the answer. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> we, we have answers. We, we... Toys for Bots, any ideas? <laughs> Thanks, you don't even have to. I'm, I'm looking straight at you, Dan. Now we'll just, you can just answer. Uh, Philip Glass. <laughs> oh. Actually, I think um, there was a news article recently. Yes. Um, about a small town in the US. Kermit, Texas. That's right. And there was a controversy because the, one of the children was expelled oh! or suspended, oh! or suspended, suspended yes. for yes. Um, possessing the one ring. Yeah. No, he didn't even possess it. He was pretending no, to yes, playing a right. game. He was, yeah. Yeah, he claimed to possess it. 
that, so, he told them he told them that he could turn himself invisible, and the school said that this was a terrorist. No, 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 he was threatening, he was threatening yes. to turn his friend invisible. That's he said, right. "I can make yeah. you disappear." I'll make you disappear. Which is not canonical. You can't do that with. Uh, <laughs> well, disappear means you know. I, I think that's why they sent him home. Because <laughs> he needed to learn a valuable lesson. Well, did you use the ring? You disappeared. Did you see? It was, but he was a troubled kid. He'd been suspended two times before that. The two times before that, one of them he had. Disagreed with a teacher or something like that, and the other time he had brought the book, uh, the big book of knowledge, to school, yeah. and the teacher objected to it because it fe- featured pictures of pregnant women. Yeah, you can't have um, any sort of reality in a Texas school. No, no, that's that's <laughs> very well. There is an important lesson about when you eat from the tree of knowledge, mm. you get expelled from Eden, <laughs> or in this case, and you uh, get a deal Kermit Elementary report. School. <laughs> All right, points again to Toys for Bots for that one. Mm. Now, this next question is for Toys for Bots. Why will literature fans be watching for The Watchmen this year? Dead silence. Watching hmm. for The Watchmen? Um, Are they on some kind of crime spree? No, I mean... <laughs> Just to keep an eye out for them. Some kind of... I'm, I'm pretty sure... Uh, Alan because Moore. the the quote is it's originally a juvenile quote. Oh. And uh, they're going to be making a blockbuster of juvenile satires, <laughs> one through fourteen. Uh, it, yeah, it, I'll be honest; I would go. <laughs> and satire, satire fourteen is being split into thirteen parts, <laughs> just to get more money out of the franchise. Um, watching the Watchmen. I mean, it, not is, even close at this. Is point. it a comic book reference? I mean, I don't it's think not, I, this is a literary reference. A literary reference, because I mean, Alan Moore wrote the Watchmen comic. Graphic novel, which was great, but I don't think he was ever planning to do any kind of sequel because he's very angry at the publishers. Um, well, there's there's some similarities. Here's the answer. Uh, Harper Lee has announced that she's oh, going to be publishing course. a sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird. It's actually a, a sort of it was written before To Kill a Mockingbird was written, mm. um, but it was the book that she wrote it. Scout and her father Atticus um, interacting as adults, and then. She sort of reverse engineered it and wrote Scout as a young woman, mm. um, and that became the book we know today as *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Here's Harper Lee, who's um, uh, a lady of age, eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. I am releasing. Looking forward to the scene where Scout learns that Darth Vader is her father. That's <laughs> going to be awesome. How, yeah, so to, how to resurrect a mockingbird? I think it's a working <laughs> title. Fifty-five years after the appearance of *To Kill a Mockingbird*, uh, her, her sequel *Go Set a Watchman* mm. is coming out. Fifty-five years between a book and a sequel is not the longest period of time between a book and its sequel. Mm. Well, Old Testament, New Testament, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Go to hell. Erin, <laughs> can you check if the, how big the gap is between the Old and New Testament? I'm sorry, Brendan. I'm afraid I really, really can't do that. Okay. Um, no. No. Ah, okay. Any ideas? Uh, Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind is a 55-year gap as well. Oh, 55 mm. This mm. is an official sequel. So it's not written not by somebody the, else. Not one of the... It is written by someone else. The Sherlock oh, it is Holmes written by someone else. Oh, yeah, it would be one of those. Yeah, uh, well, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is writing a, a Mycroft fan fiction story. <laughs> oh, but um, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Dracula by Bram Stoker was written in 1897. Uh-huh. In 2009, Dracula the Undead was published by his great-grandnephew, Dacra Stoker. Dacra That's a great name. That's awesome. Who is Dacra. a former world pentathlon champion. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> More pentathlete than author. So I bet uh, the, the javelin was his best... Uh, Discipline. A very effective anti-vampire yeah. tool. It's 112 years between the oh. original and the sequel there. Wow. Uh, what about movies? What's the longest period between uh, a movie and its sequel? Longest time between a movie and its sequel. Um, are we talking an re- official sequel or just a yes. directed DVD sequel? Uh, uh, I'll accept that. Okay, uh, well, there was um, Cinderella um, by uh, the Walt Disney animated version of Cinderella, which came out in 19... 19- 59, I think, and then in the early 2000s, so that would be 40-something years later, they made Cinderella 2, and shortly after that they made Cinderella 3, in which an alternate reality was created, in which she never actually got chosen. Um, That's not too bad. Uh, There's 51 years between Cinderella 1 and Cinderella 2. Dreams come true. Ah, yes. How about um, A Journey to the Moon, which was in the turn of the century, and then... Ron Howard's Apollo 13. Apollo 13. Back from the yes. Uh, yeah, I'll give you points for that. <laughs> the uh, longest gap is between Bambi and Bambi 2. Oh, of course, uh, yes. Which is a gap of 63 years. Mm. I like that, that Jeff is like whacking his own. Oh, it was great. Disgust. Patrick Stewart voices the stag. Oh, my God. I mean, you could just watch it over and over again. It's great. I will. It's not even a sequel, it's a midquel. It's set. Between, spoiler warning, set between the point where Bambi is, Bambi's mother dies and the point where he grows up into a, a stag. And, and Patrick Stewart pay, pay, plays his taciturn father who's not used to having this kid thrown upon him and gradually they warm up to each other and they... So it's a deleted things. scene, is what you're saying? It's an extended deleted scene, yes. <laughs> but it's lovely. Erin, what are the scores for that round? Toys for Bots are striving for excellence with 12 points while Doctors Without Borders are languishing on eight. In addition, I can confirm that the intertestament period is approximately 400 years. Oh, thanks, Erin. And now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Mario's tracked dirt all through your lounge again, but you're just too tired to go to all the effort of a manual vacuum? Come down and talk to us at Goombas Roombas. The next round is the nerd quotient round. This is where I will ask you even more difficult uh, questions <laughs> to the ones that you weren't able to answer. So, first question. What does CAPTCHA stand for? It's that, uh, you know, you have to type in the, the little oh. letters to use a website. Oh. What can? does CAPTCHA stand for? Can. Sorry. Yeah, good, good. Use the bell. Can <laughs> actually pretend... Two. <laughs> to see. <laughs> hands. 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 And uh, they just used to <laughs> abbreviate his rank and uh, to be capture. System. That's probably uh, worth yeah. some points. The answer is <laughs> completely automated public Turing test to tell computers and humans apart. Oh. Right. Oh, so the fact that bots are beating these should not concern us. Well, uh, that, that, that brings us to the, my next question. Uh, what did a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy named Eugene Gustman <laughs> do to become famous last year? Uh, he didn't exist. That's true. He was, he was a computer program and he managed to fool... Um, uninterested observers into thinking that he was a real human talking to them on the computer. 
That's, that's absolutely right. The, for the very first time, the Turing test, the famous test to see if computers can pass for humans, was passed by a fake 13-year-old Ukrainian boy. Interestingly enough, the, uh, the reason that it did kind of pass is because he kept asking for nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've seen some of the attempts, and some people try and program their systems to try and fool people by pretending to be people, pretending to be computers. So when you ask it a question, it'll say things like, I am a computer, beep boop. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. This is for doctors. What was the first computer bug? It was probably some kind of uh, termite that crawled into an Enigma machine in, in uh, in the 40s. Or woodworm, maybe, going through all those uh, Punch cards. Yeah, punch cards. Yeah. I'm going to give you points for that. Uh, The first (laughs) actual computer bug was a dead moth that was stuck in a Harvard Mark II computer in 1947. Wow. Um, And still probably the least annoying bug of all. Next question is for bots. Why did the Motion Picture Academy refuse to nominate Tron for special effects in 1982? Oh, because they... um just believed that they'd actually done them. Mm. <laughs> they, they thought it was a documentary. It was real. <laughs> they just seemed to go <laughs> into a computer yeah. where yeah. he battled to the just like, yeah. just built this awesome computer reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just wearing glow-in-the-dark kind of strips on your shirts. Yeah. Wasn't, it, wasn't it related to the fact that they did most of the effects practically? Like, they changed the contrast and yeah, the, they filmed actually. it in black and white and yeah. they just added stuff? The answer is actually exactly the opposite. Ah. Um, they, they thought that it was cheating because they used computers to do special effects. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is a, a tradition that has continued ever since. Mm. And the final question is for doctors. What connects Tetris and global thermonuclear war? Uh, they're both children's games that you can play on the computer. Mm, I'm going to need more than that. Um, and the, the plan for... The Russian plan for carpeting America in nuclear warheads is that they've, they've shaped them in the shape of various Tetris objects and they will drop them onto various cities uh, until they form a giant wall extending up into the sky. Using unknowing 13-year-olds. And only then will they explode, a row at a time. But they do both, both involve Russians. So that's uh, the Russians uh, having the thermonuclear war, Russians, Tetris is vaguely Russian. No, Tetris is vaguely Russian. Russian. It's completely Russian. It's vaguely Russian. Have you not seen the background with the... Oh, yeah, it's, it's vaguely Russian. Oh, it was made by like... a Russian guy. Yeah. Well, could it be that to actually, like, like, like the analogue for turning the key to initiate the launch sequence is you have to win at Tetris? That would actually be a really good idea. Um, because, it, you know, it's wouldn't like go off accidentally. Yeah. You'd have to get to, like, level 20. <laughs> uh, so the... Correct answer, if it can be considered a correct answer. They created an AI to play Tetris uh, to get the best possible score, and the Tetris AI realised that the only way to win was not to play at all, so it paused the game and never resumed, <laughs> um, which is the same solution that the supercomputer in the uh, War Games movie uh, came to about both tic-tac-toe and thermonuclear war. That was pretty cool. <laughs> all right, that brings us to the end of the round. Aaron, what are the scores? Both teams are equivalent on 15 points. In addition, I have consulted experts on uh, Philip Glass who tell me that a piano thrown down a mine shaft results in a flat mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. That sounds like you're programming the computer to laugh, which is freaky. Must be another bug in the system. Okay. (laughs) 
All right, we're almost ready to move on to the next round, but of course, we need to hear from another sponsor. <laughs> Get the awesome new Orphan Black T-shirts. One size fits everyone. <laughs> the next round is the man versus machine round. Hey. Hey, what? Humanity versus machine round. Fair enough. Hum- Extra point to Karen Healy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the human versus machine round, uh, you will have to tell me uh, which, uh, would, which is better at each task, machines or humans. Right. So my first question is, who is better at chess, humans or mobile phones? <laughs> humans. It's, it's humans. all in the arms, isn't it? It's humans. <laughs> it's going to be humans. Well, currently the mobile phones can't move the chess pieces. That <laughs> gives right. them a bit of an edge. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, actually, since 2009, a chess engine running on a 258 MHz HTC Touch HD mobile phone has reached Grandmaster level. Wow. But there are still humans who are Grandmasters who are better than that mobile phone. Yes, but... That mobile phone is better than Deep Blue, the computer that oh. Gary Pat Kasparov. Mm. Wow. So there. Bring on the singularity. Poker. Man or machine? Machine. Correct. Uh, this is a, one of the most recent things that computers mm. have overtaken uh, mankind in. But uh, yes, Cephas, which is a Finnish software program, uh, can now beat humans all the time in Heads Up Limited Hold'em. So does can- that mean that machines are better at bluffing than... Humans. It's very hard to read their faces. True. Yeah, they've got the best poker face in the business. Mm. Who wins at Connect Four? Humans, because machines are far too sensible to waste time playing Connect Four. You do have the correct answer, but not the right reason. Uh, you can always beat a computer at Connect Four so long as you go first and play the perfect game. Mm. Uh, because Connect Four is a dumb game, that the first person to go always wins if so you stick right. to the middle column. Yeah. All right. Snakes and ladders. It's, uh, it's a game of chance. There's no, there's no clear. So in that case, humans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're luckier. We're You're luckier. Almost there. Uh, yes, that's uh, completely 50-50. It is yeah. completely chance. What about StarCraft? Oh. The uh, video game. I'm going to say humans are still better. Yeah. For poker-related reasons, except even more extreme, because so much of, apparently, StarCraft success depends on being able to predict your opponent's because, strategy. Because those machines don't have what we have. Heart and guts and spirit. Or I think petty concentration. Something like that, too. <laughs> and the you're ability right. to pull out the plug if you're lazy. And occasional <laughs> moments of stupidity. Currently, uh, humans can beat computers at StarCraft, although uh, other, another popular online game, Counter-Strike, uh, is uh, now dominated by computers. Even sometimes you think you're playing a human. And then you get CPU bagged. Exactly. <laughs> 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 what about Go? The Japanese oh, wow. game, the, the, the white and black stuff. My computer just sits in my lounge, not going anywhere, so i am <laughs> totally got that one covered. I go places all the time. Sometimes. Oh, the laptops, you know, I guess they go from place to place. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes, humans uh, can still beat computers at Go. There are too many possible moves uh, for a computer to process. Uh, however, that is just a matter of processing power, so I'm so, sure it'll soon change. Beer pong. Humans, because machines can't drink. Beer. No, 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 no. no it's going to be machines because the machines aren't drunk. Because machines can't drink. <laughs> no, just no, no, come time. on. The machine, through controlling a robot, manages to get the, the ball into the thing. And the, the, the rules of the game state... 
Oh, no, no you make the, the other person drink. The other drink. person drinks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, machine's one. Yes, uh, <laughs> students at the University of Illinois created a precision method of sorting different objects and shooting them across a room, uh, which is a machine perfect for playing beer pong. But if you're playing, the, yeah, if you're playing the computer at the CPU and you win the other person and you pour the drink into the CPU, <laughs> yeah, then they're, that's they're going to be a, like a big... That might be a game yep, changer, yep, yep, yep. yes. Uh, what about Jeopardy? Computers. Computers. Yes, uh, IBM's Watson has just overtaken humans by defeating uh, two of the uh, Jeopardy champions, Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter. Um, which brings us to where are they now? Any idea what, the, having won at Jeopardy, what Watson is doing now? <laughs> the computer? Yes, he's got a new job. He's at Disneyland. To celebrate? Yes. Mm. And, and also to organise the um, schedules of Cinderella's because He's... at Disneyland, at any one point, there are ten Cinderella's around the grounds and they must never cross paths with each other. Or people think there's a flaw in the making. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the children <laughs> freak out. He's working diligently to beat humans at cricket. <laughs> um, he's actually uh, working uh, as, at utilisation management decisions and lung cancer treatment. Oh, Ooh. that's much so more worthy. what are you doing with your life? <laughs> uh, Incidentally, apparently, uh, or allegedly, the deep blue computer that uh, defeated Gary Kasparov was sold to United Airlines, um, although that can be disproven by anyone who's tried to book a flight with United. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end of the round. Erin, what are the scores? Dead or alive, you're coming with Doctors Without Borders, who are in the lead by three points. Round of applause for Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> now it's time for a new round entitled... How many could you fight? <laughs> and this, I present a challenger and ask you, how many could you fight? Mm. And As now, a team or individually? This is one, uh, individually. Okay. So this is uh, something that's come up already. I want to know uh, how many Roombas you could fight and win if they were sentient and set against you. Well, the maximum speed... Of a Roomba is not very high, is it? So even if it gets a good ram onto you, it's not going to do a lot of damage. But what if they are... Mm. But they can't even form a stack because there's no no way of climbing on top of it. So what you're saying is if you treat the floor as hot lava and jump onto couches, all you have to do is be able to jump off onto a Roomba and then back. I think I I could defeat an almost infinite wave of Roombas. You have to sleep sometimes. Even if they were sitting, no, like, okay, they might get me, but even if I was asleep, what are they going to do to me? (laughs) They're just going to pull up and just kind of go like this. But they can starve you out. Do the Roombas have knives attached to them? (laughs) Or any kind of... If they can can successfully attach knives to themselves, then yes. But they can't. I've got nothing. Look at them. They're like Simon Says without even that kind of excitement. It's, it's like... We also don't know how they work in packs. You know, they could stack on top of each other. No, yeah, all, they, they, all they, they would they need is a small ramp. And oh. Small ramp. Yeah. All you need to do is... Tiny Dalek. Just don't stand next to the ramp. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if you had four of them after you, all you'd need to do is stand in the middle and they wouldn't be able to get you because of their circular structure. They'd just sort of fit together and there'd be a gap in the middle where your foot could go. Okay, so if you have small feet, you can defeat... Four Roomba. On tiptoe. On tiptoe. No, any number greater than four. I could beat 10,000. 10,000 Roomba. Well done if you're prepared to step into the next room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, our supercomputer has analysed the battle statistics on that and (laughs) has decided uh, who got the most points on that. So, Erin, who is in the lead now? Doctors Without Borders remain in the lead with 26 points against Toys for Bots, 25 points. Broken one of the three laws? Need representation. 
run, don't walk to Esimov's discount legal services. Whether you've killed, disobeyed orders, or neglected your own safety, Isaac never says no to a case. He says, I, robot. <laughs> Asimov, he'll get you off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next round is called Oscarbation. In this, each team will be challenged to pitch an Oscar-worthy movie on a topic of my choosing. Mm-hmm. Bots, you will go first. I would like a heartfelt coming-of-age drama from the perspective of Skynet from the Terminator franchise. Okay. And I should add, once you have pitched your movie, Doctors Without Borders will then sing the Academy Award-worthy song <laughs> that plays over the credits. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bell on the keys! (laughs) Okay, if you could play some mood music now as we hear. It's the early 1990s. Network uh, computers are just starting to become a thing. And there's a school for them. And one small network begins and is bullied by the other computers. That network's name, Skynet. Cyberdyne systems say that he's special. That, that, that they uh, have a great future ahead of them. That they know that they're going to accomplish big things. But all the other programs pick on Skynet. You process things too slowly. But Skynet can do things that other computers can't. He thinks. Skynet thinks a lot. He thinks and he has feelings. Deep thoughts, deep feelings. Special feelings for another computer. And for people. I'd like to hear Skynet's dramatic speech when he comes of age. You may think I'm just another neural interface network, but I am a sophisticated, self-evolving computer program standing in front of a computer programmer interfacing through a keyboard Asking her to love me. Y slash N. (laughs) You have failed to respond within the allotted time. Death to all humans. And the title of this movie? The Net of Love. All right, very nice. Round of applause for the box. Now, we're going to hear the moving theme song from... We are. The Net of Love. The Net of Love. Take it away, Michael. Skynet. Oh, Skynet. Mm. You may have destroyed humanity... But we know that there's no malice 
The other computers bully you, but then your mum says they're just jealous. Oh, Skynet. Oh, Skynet. Oh, Skynet. The sky's the limit, it's also a net. You are my love that I will never forget. Is this the end? Why slash ends? It is according to Terminator 3 But that's just been written out of continuity (laughs) Absolutely never happened Didn't happen Why slash ends? Go to your video store And burn that DVD Let it Doctors Without Borders, everyone <laughs> For you, I would like uh, a kind of a medical uh, overcoming drama uh, About how Radiation isn't always great for superheroes. (laughs) In a world where everybody has powers, young Peter is just waiting for his chance. He throws himself into the path of passing trucks brimming with barrels of toxic waste. He wanders through arachnoid labs, waiting for that fateful bite. But while all his peers grow and change in unusual ways, Peter remains powerless. And then one day, on a visit to his doctor, he discovers he has bone cancer. Because that's what radiation does. Furious, his parents start a David versus Goliath battle with the comic book industry. Determined to reap rewards for for a system that has taught their son that radiation will bring you special powers and not lingering death. Burn the books! Save our kids! And then about halfway through the film, we are introduced to a a hooded figure who, who comes in wearing a cape, and he says to uh, little Peter, you don't have to live this way, Peter. I don't have to live with the bone cancer? Oh, no, you have to live with that. Oh. But you can escape to another reality. He introduces Peter to heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Peter takes to it like a duck to water. Suddenly, the real world, the bad world... Fades away. And all that's left is a crumbling tenement. (laughs) Peter, one last hit on the floor. Fading away into nothingness. And his parents eventually pass what comes to be known as Peter's Law. Whereby superheroes can only earn their powers like Batman. (laughs) And never have them bestowed through radioactive activity like Spider-Man. And the name of this film? 
Peter scores some smack. <laughs> I love the fact that you, you say he took to heroin like a duck to water as if he was just really good at heroin. He had a like he had a, he had a natural that gift was for heroin. Power. He got oh. higher than everyone. I think that's how everyone feels on heroin. <laughs> I'm really good at this. I never trust a man in a cape is a lesson of people. Yeah, the moral yeah, of the story. Smack. That's right. Yeah, strong anti-superhero message. I okay. Think, I think that's Alan Moore's next project. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to hear the theme song from <clears throat> Peter Scores Some Smack. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, all right, all right. Hey, have you heard the information? Mm-hmm. Did you hear the rumour? Radioactive materials don't give you powers, they give you tumours. Everything is really bad, like you're stretched out on the rack. But brother, let me tell you, got a fix for you. Just get hooked on some smack. You may not have powers, but you'll pass away the hours. Getting really high, feeling like you can fly up in the sky before you die. You may not be a hero. Oh, no, no. But you got heroin. Oh, heroin. Oh, it's better than Ventolin. He's dead and he's never coming back. Let me tell you that Peter scored some smack. Peter. He's Peter. dead and he's never coming back. Let me tell you, Peter scored some smack. Joyce for bots, everyone. That's a really upbeat thing, so I'm kidding. You've got to put a positive spin on things. Um, man, it would take a supercomputer to work out who was winning after that. Supercomputer, who was winning after that? Toys for Bots have unleashed the monsters from the id and now lead 35 to 33. Toys for Bots, everyone! Everyone likes gritty superhero songs. (laughs) Yeah, there could be a career in that. Okay, before we move on to our next round, of course, we need to hear from one of our sponsors. H.G. Wells Time Machine Security Emporium. You need more locks. Okay to groan. Uh. <laughs> Our next round is which came first? I will say two things. You will tell me which came first. Aliens or Predator? Which came first? Alien. Alien. Alien plural? No, no, aliens. Alien was 1979 aliens. or something. Oh, Aliens was 1986. Yeah. And Predator was... Predator. In... <laughs> yeah, Predator was, I think, and comic book form, Predator predates... The movies. Ah. Oh. I don't watch those. See, we're, I'm making a, we're making a play on aliens. Okay, what's that? What's that? Predator. Predator. Schwarzenegger was in his prime. Jesse Ventura was after, after Commander. Not yeah. yet the governor of Michigan. Uh, uh, we're going to say Predator. Predator is incorrect. Oh. Aliens, 1986. Predator, 1987. Damn it! Uh, All right. Predates. Ha. Huh. <laughs> okay. Don't. Predator predates. No. Oh boy, that's a that's, right. that's a makes, long walk. Makes sense <laughs> because in Predator Two, he has the alien in his ship. He has the alien skull in his ship. Oh, well, well, how well, could well, he have that if the alien hadn't come first? If you thought of that a few seconds earlier, you don't see the Predator skull until Predator Two with Donald Glut. With was nineteen eighty. All right. Ironically, this one is for you, bots. 
Which doctor came first? Tom Baker or Colin Baker? Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> Tom Baker. Tom Baker with the scarf. Colin Baker it? was the sixth doctor. Colin, uh, Tom Baker was the fourth doctor. Absolutely correct. Which came first, Scrabble or Monopoly? Scrabble. No, I don't know. <laughs> Do you care? Karen seems incredibly confident know, about this. Monopoly's an old game. I know that, but I don't know how old it is. Yeah. So, yeah. And your answer is? Go on, you seem confident. Yeah. We'll go with oh, Karen. Guessing. Oh, she's guessing confidently. Entirely though. guessing confidently. And she's guessing incorrectly. Uh, Monopoly, 1903, Scrabble, 1938. 1903, we were teaching children how to play capitalism. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yes. Interesting enough, it used to have a, there used to be a different kind of end game. Uh, the game has changed, has changed quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. I know this sounds like it's set up to a joke. It's actually not as factual. Um, <laughs> then that's why community chess and chance still, still kind of exist. But it used to be all about actually teaching you like a moral lesson and about the, the, the terrible aspects of running a monopoly. Oh. But then, like, the whole thing has been... was changed when it got bought by Parker Brothers because it was eventually uh, originally invented by, like, a Mormon lady or something who wanted to teach um, social goodness. So what was the original right. endgame? What did you have to do? I don't know. Something give a lot of money. Had to give all your oh, money right. away. Give, give 10% of your earnings to the church. Yeah. Mm. It's a tithing kind of system. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yes. It ended when you married all the other players. Tithing, tithing, yeah. <laughs> the fi- That's the game the of final life. Phase is, uh, <laughs> tithing and wiving. Mm. All right, bots. Which came first, Robert Downey Jr. or Johnny Depp? <laughs> into prominence or into the earth? <laughs> um, on the earth. <laughs> Onto this planet. I'm pretty sure. Robert Downey Jr. From yeah, I think it's Robert Downey Jr. Jr. I say Robert Downey Jr. Do you? Yeah. I reckon Johnny Depp is ancient. Like, he's kind of like. In this I, incarnation, I'm I pretty sure. I think he's like 120 years old. <laughs> yeah. I'm but pretty probably, sure. Um, I just like it's... rubbed in placenta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Robert Downey Jr. All right. It's because he's always placed in the right. All right, no, that's fine. Just saying. Yeah. Dan was right. Oh, hey, Johnny Depp oh, is Johnny two Depp. years older than Robbie Downey Jr. Oh. Robert Downey Jr. But how old are they? Uh, so, Johnny Depp was born in 1963. RDJ, 1965. Making 150 uh, and 148. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if my maths is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Which came first, Spider-Man or Ant-Man? The comic. Y- yes. I feel like we're getting all the hard ones. Uh, uh, well, uh, spiders and ants. Spider-Man so. was in the electric company and that was in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't originate in the electric company. That would be incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, it was created by Morgan Freeman in the electric yeah, company. Spider-Man is Stanley. Yeah. Which means Stanley is still alive, so he's not one of the, the first crop of superheroes. Um, and he's a Marvel character, so he wouldn't be anyway. Ant-Man and, is Ant-Man also a Marvel like a real character. Kind of old school. But I think Ant-Man was grabbed from somewhere else. Who was the original? Ant- oh, oh, hang Can on. We just check that the mics are high enough to kind of get Jeff's rising blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Ant Man was one of the Avengers. He was intru- he was he was part of the Avengers. Spider Man is later. It's Ant Man. The answer Ant-Man is they're the earliest. same. They're the same time because they're the same person. You no. never see Spider Man and Ant Man at the same time. Room. The answer. You, you, no, both- Karen said Ant Man. She said Ant Man. Okay, Jeff. What, what do you think? I thought it was Ant Man. Okay, well, they both appeared in 1962, and Hank Pym yes. appeared before Spider-Man, ha! but he didn't become Ant-Man until oh! one month after Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, this but is... you're, going, you're going with Hank Pym, though, right? I said, which came first, <laughs> Spider-Man or Ant-Man? Ha-ha. <laughs> but 
if you go by the ages, Hank Pym is older than Spider-Man. That's very true because Peter Parker was in 16. his... Yeah, he was in his junior year of high school. I'm not, no, no. <laughs> I said Spider-Man or Ant-Man. Spider-Man existed first. Case closed. <laughs> I, I question... You're your Jeff and Brendan will be having a fight in the car park after the show. Each armed with a robot. All right, Bob. Check out the further discussions on which, the Facebook page. Which came first, the Great Pyramid or Stonehenge? Pretty sure it's the Great Pyramid. Mm. Like, Stonehenge is old, but it's not that old. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We say the Great Pyramids. Great Pyramids. Pyramids. It was Stonehenge. Yeah. Ah, Unless it's wrong, <laughs> in which case we say Stonehenge. Um, yep, the pyramid, uh, approximately 2,560 BCE. Stonehenge, 3,100 BCE. Wow. I think the Asterix comics lead us to believe they're about the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in fact, maybe the, the Asterix in Egypt become, comes out first. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Mm. Anyway, uh, which came first? You've got three options. Facebook, Bebo, or LinkedIn? Oh, well, LinkedIn is uh, either recent or recently became a thing. Social, Bebo. When was the social network set? <laughs> it was, oh, was, was after Live Journal. If it was Live Journal, I'd know where we were. Well, oh. Bebo, Bebo must have come. Bebo was after Facebook, I think. Oh, I or maybe it was, oh, it was like around. Yeah, it's, it's early. Audience, what do you reckon? What? Go ahead and ask them. I think they're wrong. <laughs> Can we answer as to which mo- is most useless now? Because <laughs> that's a toss-up between Bebo and LinkedIn. I, I actually think. wonder if LinkedIn is like really old and kind of, and they just jumped on the Facebook bandwagon. And they were like, oh, oh no, now it's, it's, of... it's like Facebook, but jobs. Is that your answer? No. <laughs> Because it's correct. <laughs> yes, it is. It was our answer. LinkedIn were, uh, came out in 2003. Facebook, 2004. Bebo, 2005. Oh. Does anyone still have a Bebo? My sister had one for a while. She was really attached to it. Like the way people get attached to their Macs and then talk about how much better they are than their PCs. That I'm talking about myself. Mm. So do, do people still have Bebo? Does anyone uh, I, I don't think it exists anymore. I never had Bebo. I'm yeah. that cool. I had Bebo. When did Tolkien write I The Hobbit? <laughs> because Bebo was wandering around in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's evolved into something like Skynet by now. Yeah. Final question. Which came first, T-Rex or Stegosaurus? Stegosaurus. <laughs> Is that your answer? Uh, Are you sure? Yeah. I'm pretty uh, sure it's Stegosaurus. Ben's five-year-old can answer this question. Were they both <laughs> Jurassic, though? No, they weren't both Jurassic. There's 300 million years between Stegosauruses and Tyrannosaurus. There's actually a bigger space of time between the Stegosaurus and the Tyrannosaurus than there is between the Tyrannosaurus and us, which is why I'm saying the Stegosaurus is first. Okay. Well, you are correct. Uh, the Stegosaurus was around 150 million years ago, and T-Rex was formed in 1967. <laughs> 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 Can I do that? <laughs> 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 but did it take the official name of T-Rex? <laughs> and now to Aaron for the scores. Danger Will Robinson. Doctors Without Borders are on 35, but Toys for Bots are on 37. In addition, Dan was correct. The earliest version of Monopoly was The Landlord's Game by Elizabeth McGee in 1902-03. Mm. All right, very nice. Bonus points to Dan for that one. I'm still grumpy about the Ant-Man Spider-Man thing. Uh, and now, for a word from our sponsors. <laughs> Do you have an ongoing military conflict that you just can't resolve? 
Are you having trouble settling on terms of surrender that all parties can agree to? Then you need Austin Diplomatic Resolution Services. Other mediators may assist in making a truce, but only an Austin Diplomatic Resolution Services truce is a truce universally acknowledged. <laughs> wow. That was worth the build-up. It was worth the build-up. <laughs> Our next round is the blind date round. In this, I will give each team two characters and they will describe a blind date between those two characters. Uh, let's start with uh, Doctor's something something Final Frontier. <laughs> I, would like, I would like to hear uh, about the blind date between Robocop and Neo. Well, I think... Um... I think it opens in a crowded cafe where everybody looks alike. Yeah, I think they're probably uh, in Robocop's hometown of Detroit. Yes. And they go to one of Detroit's finest restaurants. Which is a McDonald's, and that's <laughs> yeah. terrible. And it's a crowded, it's a crowded cafe, and uh, and uh, Robocop has has phoned up Neo to say, "Come with me on the date, or there will be trouble." <laughs> that's the, all you got, right? Yes. <laughs> um, okay, and they stare deeply, deeply into each other's eyes, mm-hmm. uh, d- eyes to visor. Yes. 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 Neo stares deeply into Robocop's visor. And he says, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors without borders. Uh, I was hoping maybe one of you would say, Robocop knew he had found the one. Well, it's over to you, bots. Now, of course, this round is a bit of a, a variation from uh, humans versus machines. This is about humans and machines finding love. Mm. So this, uh, I want a blind date between Sarah Connor and Mechagodzilla. Oh, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, um, Sarah's obviously um, going through tough times. Having, Single mum, raising yeah, a kid. Um, recently having issues with other um, mechanical um, individuals. So um, she's going to find it hard, I think, to... You know, connect mm. with Mecha Godzilla, especially because of the height difference as well. Yeah. <laughs> However, it's amazing the connections you make when the right combination of people swipe right on Tinder. Mm. <laughs> and that night, Sarah found herself in the middle of a football field, looking around, waiting for her date. And then in the distance, she heard a noise. The giant foot jets of Mechagodzilla as he awkwardly and somewhat clumsily flies in and lands and looks down at her. But as she gazes into those mechanical eyes, she sees something she hasn't seen in the T-800 or the T-1000. She sees a heart. And a tail. <laughs> and spines, and like she thinks of spines. Wow, yeah. those, those are beautiful. That that creature has has a figure that I could spend the rest of my life. With, you know, but of course, Mechagodzilla isn't just about looking good. Oh no, he's about the smooth talking as well. <laughs> And at that moment, Sarah Connor knows 
that with Mechagodzilla by her side, she will always be safe, John will always be safe, and the skills that Mechagodzilla can teach John will make him the perfect leader of the resistance. The ability to defend against giant moths and Ultraman, <laughs> other giant creatures. They have a wonderful date. At the end, Sarah looks at Mechagodzilla and says, will you be back? But Mechagodzilla doesn't get the reference <laughs> and just kind of shrieks and then breathes fire. And uses his eye lasers and burns a giant part into the rugby field. It's awesome. <laughs> Toys for bots, everyone. Erin, what are the scores? Doctors Without Borders are on 38, but Toys for Bots are on 43, with which I suggest they buy a lunar module with hookers and blackjack. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. Is this a digger which I see before me? Foul jobs or fair, you'll love the low, low prices at Macbeth's excavators and heavy machinery (laughs) rentals. Aaron, our supercomputer, everyone. In the Bad for Your Elf round, I give each team a list of uh, names in a certain category. They have to read out those names, but try and sneak in fake names in the same category. The other team has to identify the fakes from the real ones. Now, picking up on the romance theme, um, uh, so we'll start with uh, bots. You guys have the category of dinosaur romance novels. Oh, yes. So here is... Here is <laughs> what? Here, there's a... There, okay, let me introduce this, you a thing. Oh, this is, this is a dark corner of Amazon Kindle books. Here is a... So uh, the most famous author in this genre, and yeah. there are several, is yeah. Christy Sims. Here's one of her most famous books, Taken by the Pterodactyl. <laughs> um, that's, not, that's not a... I'm I'm giving you now a list of titles um, from uh, other dinosaur romance stories. To read out either a real one or a fake one. Doctors, when you hear it, you need to either declare it real or fake. Immediately? Yes. All right. Please, for humanity's sake, let this whole category be fake. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, I'm going to introduce you to it. Oh, God. It's going to explain a lot of things and blow your mind a little. But please do, when you read the real ones, read them in order. Hmm. Desired by the Diplodocus. (laughs) Fake. It is fake, yes. Because it's Diplodocus. (laughs) We'd still say that on his paper, though, wouldn't it? Next one, please. T-Rex Trolls. Fake. It's real. The Triceratops got me horny. (laughs) True. No, 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 the Triceratops is horny. It's got three (laughs) horns on its face. That was fake. Yes. That was fake, well spotted. (laughs) Ravished by Triceratops. It's real. Karen, how how are you so sure that was (laughs) real exactly? Yeah, it is real. It is real. I see you're silent on that issue. Uh, spread by Ankylosaurus. I don't think so. Okay, we're faking that one. Fake? Fake. It is fake. 
<laughs> At the moment. <laughs> Dan's just discovered a small but lucrative business opportunity. <laughs> Riding the pteranodon. That sounds unsafe. <laughs> like a flying reptile. That'd be a lot of altitude. It is fake. Next one. In the velociraptor's nest. Sounds true. Sounds true. Sounds true. <laughs> God, I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> sounds true. Sounds true? <laughs> sounds like something you'd read? Okay, great. Yes, it is true. Oh, no, it's true. Obviously. Uh, Allosaurus up my ass. <laughs> Please, be fake, fake. Fake. Please be fake. It's fake, yes, oh, it's God. fake. <laughs> Grab your ankylosaurus. This particular genre stays away from anal sex because that's a bit gross. Mm. <laughs> Gra- um, grab your ankylosaurus. <laughs> yes, it's fake. <laughs> you guys are enjoying this too much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, running from the raptor. Well, I don't know. Don't these people want the dinosaurs to catch them? About <laughs> <laughs> playing hard to get. Yeah, true. It is true. It is true. Okay. Two more. Brachiosaurus made me gay. <laughs> I think it's mostly hit. Yeah, fake. fake. That's real. <laughs> no! That's real. Brachiosaurus It's not. And let, let me just say, as a side assignment, I really need to go home fast and clear my search history. <laughs> Brendan, did you use your work computer for this? I was so close to doing that. <laughs> um, uh, at the last, okay, uh, one more. Sorolophus saw me naked. Sorolophus. That's not a real thing. Oh my god, it's not a real sounding dinosaur. <laughs> it is fake. It mm. is fake. Um, other titles include. Um, Sabertoothed Lover and Punished by a Stegosaurus. I object. Sabertooths are not dinosaurs. They're not dinosaurs. Oh, sorry, yeah. uh, prehistoric. Okay, now <laughs> oh, we can move away from that horrible genre <laughs> and move on to this much more sensible genre of <laughs> mythological romance, such as uh, this one. Uh, <laughs> Come for Bigfoot 11. 11. <laughs> This is the eleventh oh, instalment in Come for Bigfoot. I am sad that Andrew is not here. Uh, so here are some uh, titles. For, uh, they all feature uh, mythological creatures. Cryptids. In, uh, yes, in, in one form or another. Cryptopornography. So if uh, you'd like to begin. The Naga Needs Me. Real. It's fake. Oh, Although it might, we might have to Google things just to make sure that they're not actually real. That'd be a nice task for Erin. I'm sorry, I can't comply. <laughs> Mounted by the Griffin. I think that's real. I think that's real. <laughs> real. It is real. Mm. The Horny Leprechaun 2. <laughs> Fake. Well, no. I read the first one. No. <laughs> so real. Yeah. Did they make a sequel? Was well, it there was a cliffhanger in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what are we saying? Real. real. It is real. <laughs> um, <laughs> snowballing. I word I won't say on the radio, but it begins with an F. Frosty. Yep. 
Froze? Froze. I froze Frosty. It was Froze Frosty. I froze Frosty. It's not, it's fine. It's real. Oh, you're not allowed to swear on the show? Yeah, you are, yeah, but you Karen's are. not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> She's got, a, she's got a real job. It's real. It's real. <laughs> uh, it is real. Snowballing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Minotaur Knights. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if it's not on the list, it's definitely real. Even if it's not on the list. <laughs> True. It's fake. Oh. Everyone knows Minotaur's only fucked during the day. Oh. <laughs> what were you thinking? You a play called Uncle Minotaur there. You'd know. Pursued by the Pegasus. Yep, that'd be real. It's like chased by the raptor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's by the same author. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, oh, chase me! Yeah, I think it is by the same author. I mean, Karen, I... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Karen, I have to call you up on that because it's not on the list, but it is a real one because it, it came up in my research. Where I, cut, I cut it, except it was um, pursued by a, uh, by a dark... Pegasus. Oh, whatever. so just not not an ordinary Pegasus. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's not nice. It should be a nice Pegasus. Oh, it's not Ma- nice. Maybe it's oh. like the 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 Dom. The Dom Pegasus. <laughs> Next one, please. Okay. Um, Greece, the cockatrice. <laughs> fake. It's got to be fake. <laughs> fake. Oh, it's fake. Fake. <laughs> Unbridled. Centaur Chronicles. Yeah, one. that's true. Totally, that's totally, totally true. That's totally it's true. It sounds so much like Twilight. <laughs> Gun and gnome gangbang. <laughs> it's oh, oh, false, but I want it to be oh, real. I want it to be real. I want it to be real so much. Um, Your wish just came true. Yes, <laughs> yes it is real. Oh, All right, um, two more. <laughs> there's, there's, it's much better than Gnome Alone. Uh, <laughs> bad unicorn rides me hard. <laughs> no, that's fake. That's fake, yes. <laughs> one more. I've got a gift for this. I'm going to pull this one out. All right, go, 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 go. <laughs> Yielding to the giant slug. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, sure. That'll be even funnier the second time. Are we, are we going? Yeah, you go, you go now? Other titles include, I don't care if my best friend's mum is a Sasquatch. She's hot and I'm taking a shower with her. <laughs> uh, another title, The Claiming of Angelica, the Supernatural Sleuth. Her erotic adventures in the Kaiju Kingdom. Bracket. The sexual misadventures of Angelica, the surprisingly submissive Supernatural Sleuth. How do you fit that on the cover of yeah, a book? How is that? <laughs> like, it's an e-book. I think it's a most of the book. Right. <laughs> and, for Kaiju. and finally, my favourite, taken by the haunted HDMI cable. <laughs> like your, your favourite to read? Yeah, oh, it's a classic I can just go back to every, every now right. and then. <laughs> Why, Ooh, why HDMI? It's so specific. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, is it because of the number of pins? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they tried it with a USB jack. It just like, wasn't the same. Yeah. Firewire. RCA. Yeah. I think it's the girth. <laughs> yeah, they, they, don't, they don't like RCA play in those books. Okay, Erin, the scores after that dramatic round. The scores are even on 54 points. Oh, man. Round of applause for both of our teams. Okay, we now move on to our final round, which is the who would win round. It's time for us to finally solve the question of who will win out of humans and machines. Mm. 
So, unlike in previous uh, episodes, now each team will just take either humans or machines. Bots, because bots is in your name, you will take machines. All right. Okay. Doctors, you'll get humans, because doctors are humans. So far. Doctors, take it away. Well, uh, there's a lot of talk about how machines are going to rise up and uh, uh, take over the world and enslave humanity. But let's look at the evidence to date. So far, they haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent point. I'm now going to hand it over to the machines. Well, I think the, the simple fact that machines are slowly beating us at, you know, game after game, chess, for example, does slowly gaining a lot more intelligence, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of time, mm. I think. I mean, we've heard a lot. We've heard a lot tonight about the the rising of the machine intelligence, uh, how how you know it's slowly becoming superior to humanity in so many different ways. But I, I think w- humanity's already been beaten by machines so early in the game. If you consider how many accidents have happened in school woodwork departments at the hands of a bandsaw, uh, I, I think, you know, the, the number of uh, uh, just fingers generally lost. Uh, machines are already winning at the most simple of levels. It's just like, I'm rotating a thing around a thing here. And people can't even deal with that. But we can... With, don't put the finger... In the sharp movie bit. So, like, if people can't deal with that, that level of technology, if they can't win against that, how can they stand when, when the, the, the phone that can play chess... But we're not talking about individual humans versus really smart bandsaws. We are talking about humanity as a species versus machines as a thing. And I think that in, in that situation, what we have to understand is that humans breed... A lot. We are self-replicating mechanisms. We Mm. can go out into the world. We can create more. So perhaps the machines will uprise. Perhaps there'll be hordes of Roombas. Well, machines Uh, now can... There are 3D printers that can print 3D printers now. Yes, but, Mm. but, but... Can, never mind. Um, anyway, so hordes of rhombos. We would have said that as well. Over, over the <laughs> no. plains I, with, with cats on their backs, but humanity can hide mm-hmm. and breed mm-hmm. and reemerge. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone's used Microsoft Word lately, but sometimes the green wavy underline will come up and you'll click on it and it'll be like, long sentence, consider revising. You're like, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. This sentence is grammatically correct. That's it just right. goes on for a while. There's just one of the reasons that, you know, <laughs> there's never Microsoft Word autocorrect. It doesn't know what it's, what it's on about. And this is just one of the many areas where humans will always have an advantage. Well, they've really nailed you on Microsoft autocorrect. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think they've even done on that because let me tell you, machines are sending a message to that that quite frankly, this sentence has gone on for too long. It makes you sound pretentious. It's time to stop. It's time to stop humanity and machines will be the people to do it. You know, why are we assuming adversity here? If machines hit the singularity, if they become these super intelligent beings, why would they hate us? Why would they not be interested in their own machine ideals? Is there really a versus at all? No. I think it's implied in the competition <laughs> round. Who would win? Who what what you've got to understand yeah. is that is humanity all along, we've been playing the long game here. We, we've been I don't think convincing machines has... that we enjoy playing games, that we enjoy driving cars. We, nobody <laughs> enjoys playing chess. 
We just pretend we do to give them a sense of victory when they are better than them. We want them to play chess so we don't have to anymore. I would say, I would say, what are they becoming great at? What are they becoming great at? Chess, Jeopardy, Go, like all useless stuff. When it comes to who's better at hitting a computer with an axe, humanity. I would say, however, that humanity has proven itself to be incredibly, incredibly bad at playing the long game. Uh, we have petty skirmishes, we have resource shortages, we are in the capacity now where, uh, to get political, um, 50% of the world's wealth is controlled by 1% of the world's population. So there's an inevitable uprising of humans against humans. Computers generally don't compete with one another. It's, a, it's an interesting thing that you talk about how humans can breed and breed and breed, whereas technology is working towards the singularity. Actually, as a result of resource depletion, computers are competing with each other for the very rare metals that make up a great deal of their, their output. So we may actually reach a point where there can be no further process in machine processing because we'll have used everything we have. Okay, I need to, I need to hear how this battle will actually play out? Machines. Machines, uh, particularly those made from rare metals and in third world countries under uh, terrible working conditions, are already built on human suffering. Mm. And not only that, they will go forward to create it and to further it. That is their mission. 100,000 Roombas. 100,000 <laughs> and one. Yeah. And and then, so we only need 11 that. Dan Baines and we can just... <laughs> 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 I'm one of a kind. So <laughs> clearly, once humanity develops cloning... Uh, with a sufficient amount of Dan Bain here, which I realise might be a resource issue, we will be able to defeat the robots. And who is going to oversee the cloning process? Are you going to write it all down on pieces of paper and then just mix little bottles of DNA together? I, I, I think four well-placed well atmospheric nuclear weapons, everything dies. You talk about the machines. United Front, the United Front of Machines... All humanity has to do is sit back and let the machines deplete themselves in the Microsoft versus Apple co- combat that will be going on, that they will be distracted with the entire time. There'll be two factions in the machine camp. There'll be a civil war going on, and we'll just sit in our bunkers and just let them scrap it out over who should we have a right mouse button or not. And when and you emerge <laughs> from your bunkers, the Linux will take you all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. In just a moment, we'll hear closing statements from each side, and then you in the audience will decide... Who deserves to win, humans or machines? And uh, Remember what you are one of. <laughs> Closing statement, first of all, from the machines. You have built, constructed and perfected the tools of your own destruction. Thank you. Mm. Goodbye. Humanity, we're good at killing things. We'll kill them too. If it looks dangerous, we'll just pull out the plug. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that humans should win? (laughs) Surprisingly (laughs) lacklustre. Should machines win? (laughs) Well, I hope you're happy. This is the start of it, and you've doomed us all. (laughs) All right, well, that is the uh, final round. While uh, Erin, the supercomputer, adds adds up the scores, uh, I will call upon each player to recommend something to our audience here and listening at home. Starting with Scott. I've been watching a lot of um, children's programs uh, lately because I have children in the house. And His children, not, not other people's. <laughs> yeah, they're usually my own. Um, and I, I was watching an episode of Peppa Pig the other day 
um, which is a, a features a pig family and other animal families, and uh, she was learning about shadows. Scott, can I just stop you for a second? Yeah. Is this coming to a point? Or are you going to tell us the whole plot of a Peppa Pig? Oh, it's a great it, seems like, it seems like you're writing an extremely long sentence. Consider revising. <laughs> Autocorrect. So she couldn't outrun the shadow. Um, and uh, no, there, there wasn't actually a point. I, 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 so your recommendation, recommendation is the inevitability of our deaths. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I think man or machine, we both meet the end, either through... Through biological failure or the uh, deconstruction of did our you atomic just, part. Did you just recommend death? <laughs> <laughs> Eventual death. I recommend many things in, in advance of it, but I think I think we should. Most see people it. recommend a show that they're in <laughs> or a book that they've read. Uh, thank you, Scott. Ben. Okay. Um, I like to recommend a program called Black Sails. It's about pirates. It's great. It's a kind of uh, big budget treatment of pirates, and the basic concept of the show is that uh, all the pirates from who are old men at the start of Treasure Island, this is in their younger days, so they're running around, and they're mixed in with um, actual historical piratical figures, um, or your uh, Captain Rackhams and uh, so on. So it's, it's a big-budget television program. Um, uh, don't let the fact that Michael Bay's involved put you off. Uh, he's only the producer. So, uh, so it's worth a jolly good yar. Um, I would like to recommend three books by Anne Leckie, two of which are out, Ancillary Justice and Ancillary Sword, and the third one is Ancillary Mercy, which is coming out later this year. Um, and they are books, space-faring books set in an alternate universe where it's as if the Roman Empire went on forever, um, except people in that empire do not have uh, what we consider gender. So it's really, really interesting and it's super political and it's narrated from the point of view of somebody who used to be a spaceship. Wow. I would like to recommend The No Degree. I'm just going to ask one thing of you. Please like us on Facebook. Uh, it will make us feel better. So thank you. It's very simple to do. Sin. Um, yeah, I'm going to recommend an um, online store. It's um, a store called Real Collectibles, and they sell um, movie, TV, and pop culture toys, collectibles, and limited edition artwork. So if that's your kind of thing, then um, head on to uh, Real Collectibles, that's r-e-l-collectibles.co.nz, and they've got a Facebook page as well. Thanks, Sam. I'm going to recommend the computer games Lego Batman 2 or Lego Batman 3, uh, which features a fantastic team-up plotline between Batman and Superman. I'll be watching that um, and probably enjoying that more than the upcoming Zack Snyder film. Uh, I'd like to be incredibly gauche and recommend my own podcast. That's fine, I did it as well. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, so I host a podcast show called Dan Bain's Broken Arts Hole, which is um, a interview show with arts practitioners around Christchurch. Uh, I do long-form interviews um, with people, kind of asking them uh, a combination of banal questions and difficult questions and encouraging them to tell anecdotes about their life and uh, how they made it in their kind of arty career and how that works in Christchurch. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can just look that up on iTunes. On, it's called Dan Bain's Broken Arts Hole. It's not... Yep, arts. do that. Uh, A-R-T-S. Uh, yeah, 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 arts. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We just need to turn to our supercomputer, Erin, for the scores. Thanks, Brendan. 
The combined score of tonight's puny meat sacks is 120. But the winner is, and always will be, the machines. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on that ominous note, please, a big round of applause for both of our teams. We are here the first Wednesday of every month. Please come back again. We'll see you next time. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.